Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love and Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Gearlock. As always, thank you so much for being here, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. The Love and Basketball Podcast explores servant leadership on and off the court, seeking a fuller picture and deeper understandings of this vision for leadership that holds people and results together. Today's episode is a conversation with Rick Croy, head men's basketball coach at California Baptist University. During his eight seasons as head coach of the Lancers, Coach Croy has compiled a 182-win, 63-loss record. CBU earned an NCAA tournament berth each season of Coach Croy's tenure in Division II competition from 2014 to 2018, and the Lancers broke the NCAA record for most wins in the first two seasons of the transition period into NCAA Division I men's basketball. In addition to time as an assistant coach at UC Riverside and St. Mary's College, Coach Croy was also a highly successful head coach at Citrus College, winning the California Community College Athletic Association State Championship in 2008. And from Citrus College to CBU, each season of Coach Croy's career as a head coach has finished with a winning record. I found this to be a conversation filled with healing and exploring the healing potential of servant leadership for ourselves and others. In The Servant as Leader, Robert Greenleaf writes, There is something subtle communicated to one who is being served and led, if implicit in the compact between servant leader and led, is the understanding that the search for wholeness is something they share. Coach Croy explores his recognition of the opportunity to help make whole those with whom he comes into contact, using healing and leadership as a force for transformation and integration. Along the way, he highlights creating an environment that allows for others to share, listening without trying to fix, and shifting focus from the career and professional hunt towards greater service to others. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Coach Croy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, We're recording this conversation at the beginning of March, right before conference tournaments and postseason play. Uh, This has been a unique season, to say the least. Uh, I'll stack questions here to open and maybe I'll regret doing that. But in what ways has your leadership shifted this season? And along with that, what have you found has been required of you to more greatly serve your student athletes and staff and maybe any other stakeholders in the ways that you've been wanting uh, this year? Yeah, I think the I think the first thing in terms of leading our guys that, that we've tried to be more in tune with or, or more connected to and and asking them more about is, is their fears. You know, I think, Mm. um, if anything over the last year, um, there's been a lot of fear present, you know, no one really knows what's next or, um, you know, the timeline. And I think, you know, obviously that's created a lot of anxiety for young people, but we've tried to take more moments and, uh, you know, create opportunities to, you know, to be really intentional about, let's, let's put our fears on the table. Let's talk about them. Let's get to them. Um, and I, and I do think that helps. I think it's helped our guys. I think it's helped our staff. I think it's helped us in the journey. Um, you know, I think even right now for us, um, it's early in March. Uh, we've had a great, we've had a great run. We've got a great group of guys. Our, our locker room's been really tight. These guys have been together the whole way. Um, I meet with our core leadership group. Uh, once a week and and we and that's one of the first things we do is we try and get to any fears that may may be present and what they expressed uh, just in the last week is you know and I think this is typical when something's gone well and you feel good about the race you're running um, you want to finish well and sometimes the desire to finish well and you know make make some moments and create some memories at the end that can create some pressure and, and, you know, that, that can build fear within your group. So we've just tried to put that on the table and just to continue to get to it. And I think more than anything, taking more time to ask each other how we're doing. And then, um, you know, in terms of external, um, really trying to work at, at making sure you're still connecting with the people that support your journey, because ultimately, 
Uh, I think when everything settles, there probably are going to be winners and losers on, you know, connectivity. And I think for us uh, making our way at this level, I think one of the main reasons why we have a chance to have a really strong program is that we have great community support. We've got to do our part uh, in this isolation uh, of making people feel like um, we still appreciate them and that they're with us every step of the way. What are you noticing uh, from your staff or from your student athletes as you put these fears out into the open uh, a bit more? I th- the first thing I'd notice is that it feels really good to share them. You know, I, I think um, it took our guys a while to to be comfortable, you know, to get gain that comfortable uh, comfort zone where they felt like, hey, I can, I can put these out there. But once they did and they got used to it, um, it's, it's really helped our guys. It's freed them up. I think it's freed up our staff. Um, and I, and I think you have to do it in times like this. And, and that's, and that's why I said earlier, I, I'll carry that forward, uh, forever. I think so, so often, so often we talk about goals, you know, we're very purpose driven and, um, you know, we're, we're trying to set small goals and knock them down and set more and, uh, put pen to paper. And we've tried to do a really good job in our program of being intentional about, developing our guys as goal setters. I think it has a lot to do with uh, success and building great habits. But I think in order to be a great goal setter, sometimes you got to get the fears out of the way. You know, those Mm. fears can really, really hold you back. And the best way to do that is, uh, you know, to simply put them out there. What what led you to take that initial step to say, Hey, this is going to be something that we talk about uh, this year. No, I think you could feel it building. You know, I can remember back um, November 25th was our first game. We were, uh, we were gearing up. Our guys arrived here on July 20th. We started training. We knew this year was going to be much different than any other year. Um, you know, we were, we were pretty much isolated in our own little mini bubble on campus, and we were really enjoying our time together. But as we got closer and closer uh, to competing – and trying, trying to get to that, that place where we could utilize and access all the work that we, would, we had put in because, you know, everyone wants to improve and get better, but ultimately you want to compete and you want to mm-hmm. perform and you want to you be tested. There was this kind of growing anxiety about, gosh, is this going to happen? You know, can, mm-hmm. we, can we pass these tests when it counts? Uh, is, is code, can we really, you know, as an organization – uh, the NCAA uh, Division One basketball is this really going to be able to happen? And then the other thing that started to I think build was uh, individually you didn't want to be the one uh, that tested positive and kept the group from competing. So you could kind of feel feel uh, those fears building within the group, and I, I know they were for me. You know, I was I was very fearful about you know because I got kids. My my kids are fifteen and thirteen and you know, I'm probably exposed to more people or had been exposed to more people uh, in that time frame leading up to the competition than they were. And, uh, you know, you try and do your absolute best to uh, be diligent and follow all the rules and protocols that they put in place. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be around some people. And so I could, I could absolutely, I could physically feel that fear building inside of me. So I got to a place where I think, I think to begin with, it was probably a lot more for me uh, mm. than it was for them. But I think for all of us, it was, uh, it was therapeutic. And then it also, uh, it helped grow our confidence as a team. Yeah. What are the ways that, that you saw this expression of your fears and maybe sharing of vulnerability in, in what ways uh, is that connected to growing the confidence of your team? I think when you can, <clears throat> You know, when you know what your teammates thinking, because I think a lot of times when fear is building up uh, inside of you or, or within an organization or inside a locker room, sometimes as an individual, you, you've, you get to those places where you think it's only you. Hmm. And so when you create the platform or the environment uh, for people to share and a teammate shares that and says, hey, yeah, I, I have a fear of, of not being prepared or I have a fear of letting my teammates down, or I have a fear of, um, you know, getting COVID or, 
whatever it may be, I think um, everyone in the room feels more comfortable with that individual. And I think when you feel more comfortable and you know where each other are at, uh, the confidence grows. It's, it's no different than like shot selection or roles. If, if people know where each other are at and um, they know that, you know, like one of the first things I try and do as a leader with our group every year is I, I try and break down with them. I think all of us growing up, we, we kind of grow up. It's like a false notion where we, we grow up thinking for some reason that everyone's going to be coached the same way. Mm. And so what we try and do early on in our first meeting is we just get right to it. We just say, Hey, look, um, you know, I'll ask them, Hey, what do you guys think? Should, should we growing up or even now in, in the present present tense you guys think we should coach all you guys the same and i think again that's how most people grew up with that mentality that way of thinking and so we try and break that down and we say look you're all different and we're going to try and coach everyone here uh to their max out and and we're going to do that differently because you guys are all very different and i think it would be foolish uh, to try and coach all of you guys the same way you know for some guys uh, you want to watch a lot of film with them. You know, their confidence grows in that film room. For other guys, um, th- their confidence shrinks in that film room. So uh, every everyone's different. They all need to be coached differently. And, you know, as, as you get better and, and uh, as a coach, hopefully you you become more proficient within that, that, that you know, the, the specification of that, that leadership journey. But um, you know, that's one of those things that we just try and we try and get to it. And I think it's been really, really good for our culture. Yeah, I'm hearing that those sharing of, of, of fears and uh, vulnerability uh, not only increase confidence uh, and maybe along with that also uh, increased relatedness and connection to each other, um, you know, strengthen that uh, strengthen that bond maybe and also per- perhaps uh, increased trust uh, amongst your student athletes and your staff and your program. Uh, as well, was I understanding uh, that correctly from you, Coach? Yeah, yeah, no question, no question. And and I think uh, one of the other things that we we did this year, and, and we actually started this doing this on on the Zoom calls this summer because that's the only platform that we had. But trying to build that that connectivity in isolation that's that's hard to do. And we had a lot of new pieces. Um, we, and we knew that we were going to have just a short window to, to bring them all together and uh, before it was time to compete. But one of the things we did was uh, we called it the five H's um, and you, you shared um, your hometown. Uh, you shared a hero in your life. You shared a highlight. Um, you shared a, a hope. And then the last one was you shared a, um, a, hero, a hardship. So again, mm-hmm. hometown highlight hardship hero and hope and that was that was big for our guys to um you know just to kind of create kind of the, the the organized thoughts where they could share those things and uh, and build that connection as you took those steps towards uh you know putting all these fears your own fears you you know having your student athletes put their fears out into the open uh, what, what did you find was required of you, uh, maybe in terms of actions or behaviors, and maybe also in terms of like principles or values that you wanted to keep at the forefront as you perhaps honored these fears or took that step towards you sharing your own fears and vulnerabilities and having your student athletes uh, do the same? Yeah, I think, I think for me as a leader, the thing that I needed to do was, um, you know, listen well, and then not try and fix everything right away, you know. And I think, as coaches, especially when you're when you're in season, um, you know, you're you're trying to fix things. You know, you're whether it's defensively, you know. Usually, when you get better in one area, you feel like there's another area that's breaking down, and and you're constantly trying to improve, but you're you're fixing things that you think are kind of broken and. So when guys start sharing and they share something that you think maybe you can help them with, uh, you got to remind yourself that um, you can't fix it right away. You got to let them process it. They put it out there. They shared it with the group. Uh, it's very healthy for them to do that. 
and then and then maybe you circle back with um, you know a thought or a strategy or something that you've been through um, that you can maybe help them with um, as they try and not necessarily always eliminate that fear but become more comfortable with it I heard you highlighting listening well and then not trying to fix it right away. Uh, as you highlighted, this might be difficult for many basketball coaches who are always used to fixing something right away or having the solution or having the answer. What was that like for, for you? And then what did you notice as you put that greater listening and the not trying to fix uh, into practice a bit further? You know, the thing, the thing I noticed, um, especially in our, our leadership meetings um, with kind of our, our leadership council that we put together is that if I didn't jump in right away, uh, it, it created many more opportunities for other guys to help each other. And, hmm. and that's, you know, that's one of those things that sometimes you have to, even if you think maybe you, you have something you can help them with, you gotta, gotta kind of pause and, see if the group can figure it out. It's better if they figure it out even without your help um, than if you're helping them on everything. So, um, and then obviously there were many things that uh, I wasn't the expert expert in the room on and, and other guys were able to share with each other and, and create some strategies. And, and I think more than anything, um, just be- become a lot more comfortable with sharing with each other. I'm curious, what's the connection to all this for, for servant leadership for you? Uh, in what ways are um, listening well, uh, not trying to fix right away, uh, sharing vulnerabilities and fears? In what ways are those things connected to servant leadership uh, for you, Coach? You know, I think um, for me, servant leadership or leadership in general um, in our program, is it's a simple definition of leadership, which is trying to make somebody else better. Hmm. And, you know, we, we talk all the time that in our program, number one thing we're trying to do is develop leaders. And what we try and encourage guys, the area we try and encourage them in is that everyone is capable, whether you're a freshman, you don't have any reps under your belt, or, you know, you're a red shirt senior and you've been in a ton of battles. Everyone's capable of making somebody else better. And, Hmm. you know, jump all in on that, uh, learn to encourage everyone's going to do it differently. Uh, but you know, leadership is the most important thing I think you can build, you know, and as a father, as a husband, uh, as a professional, you're going to have to d- demonstrate leadership qualities and those look a little bit different for everyone, but, uh, let's talk about it. Let's get to it. Uh, and let's really, you know, let's, let's really pour into making others better. And that's, for me, that was, that, that was my journey. I mean, I've had, I've had so many people uh, that have poured into my development as a leader uh, that I'm just trying to give back on that. And I love that. I love leading. I love competing. Um, I love the thought of, uh, you know, being on a coaching staff where we get to share and talk about, you know, where are guys at with their confidence? Uh, what could be affecting them off the floor, you know? How do we make them better competitors? How do we make them more resilient? You know, why do you think, you know, his body language is like that? How can we help him with that? You know, I've always enjoyed all that stuff because I had a lot of people help me with those things coming up. And, um, you know, I just feel really lucky to be doing something I'm passionate about. Yeah, I'd love if you could uh, dive into some of your own personal journey around coming to this definition uh, of leadership, Coach Croy, trying to make somebody else better. Uh, you know, what, what might be uh, your personal journey around uh, servant leadership, leadership in this aspect and coming to this uh, definition of leadership for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And one I've reflected a lot on, um, I think even recently with some some books that I've read and, you know, I do a lot of journaling and, um, you know, I I believe you got to keep, you got to keep working on yourself. And, um, so one way I do that is, or a couple ways I do that. I I try to keep reading. I I try to keep writing. And, um, you know, so when I reflect, I think back all the way, you know, to my childhood, um, my mom was a great, is a great leader. And she, she had an amazing attitude. My father, 
uh, introduced my brother and I to the game of basketball. And, um, you know, he's, he's somebody that I looked up to immensely, but, uh, as I learned more about his life, I think even his life has a lot to do with the leader that I am today. He's a, he, he was a, a, a man that grew up in a alcoholic home. Both his mm. mother and father were alcoholics. He went to live with his uncle and he was determined. He, he told himself, I'm, I'm going to create a better life and I'm going to have a family and I'm going to win. And he did that for a long time. He built great habits, put himself through college, got a job at IBM, came out West, um, married my mom, um, had two boys, built a house, was crushing it professionally. And at the end of the day, I think um, there were things that he hadn't unpacked um, with some of the legacy that those um, had left in his life. Uh, you know, his parents, he hadn't completely unpacked all that stuff. And uh, ultimately, um, because he hadn't unpacked all those things, he wasn't totally ready to leave a positive legacy in his kids' lives. Mm. And um, he, he became an alcoholic himself. And, um, you know, my, my mom kept our family, um, I would say, not only surviving during that time, but she found a way to keep us thriving. And she did a lot of that through um, just having an unbelievable faith and a positive attitude. And, but, you know, when I think now about where I'm at as a leader, as a, as a parent and as a husband, I think a lot of those things, um, you know, growing up in an alcoholic house and um, learning more about my dad's journey, those things definitely have impacted me. And then I think about the men that uh, impacted me when my dad was sick before he passed away when I was in high school, um, you know, really powerful. Uh, I always looked up to my brother um, and then I had incredible coaches in high school that were, they were powerful men in my life. And I looked up to those guys and, and they challenged you. And I always loved that about leadership. I liked uh, just the, I liked the tough environment. I, and I kind of shied away from that when I was young in high school, but our, our culture that we grew up in, in high school, playing for Frank Alaco at Northgate high school was, it, it was a tough culture. You had to show up every day and work. Uh, you were going to be challenged, but you knew, I think even then, like all of us at 14, 15 years old, we knew we were around a special leader that could mm -hmm. impact our lives moving forward forever. Like I truly believe even at 14, 15, we knew that. So uh, incredibly grateful for, for all the men that have come into my life and, and, and helped shape me as a man. As you reflect back on those high school days playing for Coach Alaco, I heard you reflect that, or I heard you share that you knew you were playing for something that somebody that would be impactful in your life, even at 14, 15 years old, that you had that awareness. As you think back to that point, what are some of those things uh, about his leadership that you felt that uh, helped you to feel that way at the time? Well, he was just a, just an incredible leader. Like, storyteller, um, speaker, so dynamic, but at the same time, you, you just, he, he could also hang. Like, I just think about how much time he put in with us. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't transactional. It was, it was all transformational. I mean, I think he's, you know, probably getting a $2,500 stipend at the time, but everything that he touched, he wanted to make it special. And, you know, I can remember him, you know, he was running a business at the time, but he would, he would print off anything that inspired him. You know, he was a, a big reader and, and also a great writer, an amazing writer, but he would anything, you know, movie quotes or uh, poems, songs, anything that inspired him, he would share those. He would share that stuff with us. Uh, and basically give us like uh, sheets of literature. And I think myself and maybe a few other guys on the team, we kept them all. I mean, I, I remember at 15, I had a folder and I would, I would put all those sheets that he gave us in there. And he was just always talking to us about things that were bigger than basketball. You, you, you always knew, although he was a great, incredible coach and, and teacher of fundamentals and, and could really teach people how to compete. 
you, you knew that he was teaching you about more than just basketball. And, and I, I always appreciated that. And that, that was very important for me with, with all the things that were going on in my life. Well, thank you for diving into those personal elements of your journey, coach, with with your father as well. Uh, I might uh, press the button on that personal element a, a little bit more yeah. here, and, uh, and 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 you know, as you sought to become a, a leader who tries to make others better, I'm curious if there, you know, was any crossroads or activating moment along your journey that uh, allowed you to more fully embody or live out kind of that definition of leadership of trying to make others better? Uh, you know, I think kind of a, I took this from a, a book called Chase the Lion uh, by an author named Mark Batterson, but he, he talks about in this book, he talks about inciting incidents, like these, these powerful moments in your life where uh, things are so poignant that you can, you know, you can like tangibly recognize them in the moment. Like, man, this is kind of, life altering or changing. And, um, I remember being, I was, I was very blessed. I was a division one assistant coach at a young age and, you know, I was kind of just on the hunt, you know, just trying to, you know, make, make my way as a coach and, and create that belief, you know, uh, that, Hey, I can do this. It's a, it's a incredibly competitive, uh, profession, and you got to keep track of your belief because that's, that's at the forefront of what you're doing. I mean, obviously you got to keep improving as a coach and grow your understanding of the game and your, your ability to teach and mentor, but you know, you, you, you got to have a high level of belief or, or you'll just get swallowed up. And so early on, I think a lot of my focus, um, you know, on, on that profession on professionally was on the hunt. You know, how mm -hmm. do I, how do I become a division one head coach? How do I get there? What, what are the moves required? Where do you need to be at, you know, by age uh, 24, 26, 28, you know, what's, what are kind of the benchmarks? And then I ended up um, through a unique set of circumstances uh, becoming the head coach at Citrus college um, at 27 years old. And what I learned right away um, and it was, it was probably, I don't want to say it was the best because I've had so many great um, opportunities in coaching. But when I reflect, I mean, maybe the most enjoyable and rewarding five years that I've had in coaching was at Citrus College. And the inciting incident for me was when I realized and recognized that those guys really needed me. Hmm. And I really needed them. And, you know, there weren't a lot of people showing up to watch our games. Uh, th there was very little fanfare, but we were, we were building something and it was, it, it was special because you knew those guys needed you to be at your best to help them get four year scholarships. Um, and, and they had to come together. They had to sacrifice. You know, you think about guys playing at the junior college level, they, they know they need to perform well individually to get that scholarship. But we had so many guys that were willing to sacrifice for the team. But I just remember, um, I just remember uh, feeling incredibly blessed um, and lucky to get that experience at that age and, and realized, you know, kind of what it's all about. I think, I, I think I felt like I was doing what coach Alaco did for me. Hmm. And, and that, and that was, you know, he, he was, he was helping guys change the trajectory, um, of their lives. And, and you were using, you know, the basketball court as a classroom. Coach, I love that, that shift that you describe and highlighting that, you know, th those guys, you know, those student athletes at Citrus College, at Citrus College needed you and you needed them. What did you experience at the time that grew that awareness within you? You know, I think, I think the awareness was just uh, created from my time. But we spent so much time with our players. Uh, there weren't NCAA rules uh, on workouts or uh, study hall hours, and we were all in the fight together. And I think what shifted for me was instead of 
you know, creating these benchmarks in my mind or in my heart in respect to where I needed to be at professionally. It was more just about, I'm just going to pour everything I have into these guys. Hmm. And, and, and the more I did that, uh, I think the better I got as a coach, the more rewarding the experience became, um, the less stressed I was about the results. Um, and it, it was just a, a special time frame. got to coach a lot of guys that I'm really, really close with today. Um, and there was just a, there was a shared appreciation and it, it, it was so much less about the profession and more about real coaching uh, and mentoring than any other experience that I've had. Yeah, I'm hearing that in that moment or in that season, leadership uh, became much less about you, uh, your hunt, your title, your position, and much more about others and much more about your student athletes. As you highlighted, I'm just going to pour everything uh, that I can. I'm just going to pour everything into the guys. What, what changed in your actions or behaviors? Maybe how did that manifest itself uh, in your leadership as you uh, moved away from the hunt? and move towards pouring into your guys? I think just more and more time, I think I spent as much time as I possibly could uh, with our guys and, and tried to share with them, became more vulnerable about my experiences um, and, and spent far less time uh, really concerning myself with my growth as maybe a, a coach and, and put more time into team building, hmm. learning more about the guys, asking them about their backgrounds, their goals, what they want in life moving forward, and then trying to teach them <clears throat> the habits that they would need. And then also how to fight and scrap, you know, and I, I believe in that. I, I believe in, um, you know, knowing the score, you know, in the classroom and, and making sure, you know, everyone has, different skills and strengths and weaknesses in the classroom and, and, and helping these guys to figure out what they needed to do to find that success that they so badly wanted. And then also in a team setting, how to, how to be willing to sacrifice because again, at that level, everyone, they're not done. I mean, this, they got another stop and they're trying to find that next place and you got to help them get there. And for a lot of guys, <clears throat> if that becomes a solo mission and they turn it into an individual sport, it, it cripples them. And the more we helped each other understand if we were willing to give, we would all get more in return. Uh, that kind of really started to define our culture. And then the guys uh, that had moved on, they came back and they shared like the love that was in our program and, and what guys were willing to sacrifice uh, that they played with. And it just became kind of one of the trademarks of our brotherhood was <clears throat> this selflessness uh, of sacrificing more of yourself and to give more than you get. <clears throat> and it was uh, just, uh, again, one of those, those special time frames. And, and, you know, I love looking back on it. We, we still, we, you know, we're able to do now with, with, you know, these phones connect in so many different ways and we'll send each other little clips and videos and reminders because a lot of these guys are doing really well professionally now. And <clears throat> it was just kind of a pure time. Well, thanks for, for diving into all that uh, for, for us, coach. You know, as you think about the, the principles or, or, or values that were, you know, that were embodied then, uh, and as you think about your program at Cal Baptist now, what, what principles or values are most important for you to demonstrate now in, in, uh, in your leadership? Um, you know, I think, I think listening is big. You know, I think um, giving others plat uh, platforms to lead is really important. That's, that's one of the things that I'm a big believer in pictures. And we got, I got pictures all over my office. And, and one of the things I like to do um, is just take a few moments throughout the week and, and, and look back uh, and reflect. And I do that by looking at the pictures. And, and what I'm always, what I'm always amazed by is I'll look at the pictures like, man, that guy was a really good leader. And hmm. I just think back that um, 
I think we've been consistent competitively because we focused on building leadership. And I think if you always have good leadership in your program and in your locker room, uh, you got a chance to compete well. And, and we've tried to do as many things as we can to develop that. You know, we, uh, we take Wednesdays off the court to do something we call excellence hall. We try to create opportunities in the summer for our guys to work summer camp. We try to create speaking opportunities within our program. We, we do put-ups after the game, everything we can do to help all these guys grow confidence as leaders. I think that's something that we've tried to consistently build. And then also a really good work ethic, you know, um, and we, we talk about this all the time in our, in our culture. We want to be, we want to try and be both. We want to be positive and we want to be demanding. And, um, you know, sometimes that challenges you as a coach. Sometimes that challenges you as a player because these guys work hard. I mean, they show up in the morning to lift. We've got practice in the afternoon. They got, they've got full schedules. Um, so to keep the, those guys, um, you know, focused on the right things and, and keep growing them as positive leaders, it's a great challenge and, and one that I love uh, within our culture. Yeah, when you when you talk about that focus on building your student athletes uh, as leaders, what do you hope that others might say about your student athletes uh, as leaders while they're student athletes uh, five years after they graduate, ten years? Uh, what, what do you hope that others say about your student athletes uh, as leaders? Uh, you know that they're they're good communicators, they're good listeners, um, they're confident. You know, I think, I think there's so many skills that can be developed in a team setting, you know, in, in college basketball that, that you can move forward in your life. Um, and right now there aren't, you know, I look at the opportunities that my kids have um, coming up. I mean, there's, there is, the training is remarkable. I mean, it's amazing how much more, coaches mentors teachers know about certain things technology mm-hmm. all the different you know the training methodology nutrition i mean there's a lot of these things film um there's so many things uh scientifically in sport that people know a lot more about but what i love about leadership development is at the end of the day that stuff doesn't do it it's uh you got to be bold. You got to be confident. You got to be willing to share. You got to be willing to encourage. You got to be willing to, you got to be comfortable when there's conflict. Um, you, you gotta, you can't avoid confrontation. And, and we try and, we try and get to all that stuff. And I think so when people, you know, our guys go on to play professionally, um, you know, I, I always tell them that that can be a tiebreaker. I mean, if there's two guys that are really talented, uh, and they can both make baskets and, and grab rebounds. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to pick the best leader every time. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can develop your leadership skills, uh, what, an, what an incredible competitive advantage for you moving forward. How might you identify? I'm curious how much you identify some of those uh, leadership behaviors in a basketball context when you think about good communication, listening, confidence you highlighted the importance of giving and receiving feedback uh maybe there as well uh how might you identify those behaviors in a basketball uh, context maybe from your student athletes but also maybe from uh your assistant coaches or staff members yeah i think we the biggest thing you know and i think this holds true with any element of the game of basketball is like you're um you know, it's not, people say it's not necessarily what you teach, it's what you emphasize. And, you know, for us, putting a huge emphasis on leadership, it, it becomes something that we're always measuring. Now, sometimes quantitatively, qualitatively, it, it can be a little bit tougher, right? I mean, if, if you're measuring guys with their improvement in shooting, it's pretty easy, right? You stat every shot they take in practice, games, shot selection, um, you know, efficiency, all those kinds of things. Leadership's different. And, and, and we talk about that, like at the end of the day, we're going to have to trust each other when we're talking about um, growing your leadership abilities and putting you in challenging situations. But 
you know, body language, how you receive coaching, your willingness to share with others, um, your, the confidence that you give your teammates, um, you know, your enjoyment of the plateaus. You know, I think uh, basketball season's full of highs and lows, but there's also these, you know, these long plateaus where, you know, you may have a week where you're just practicing, you're not competing. There, there isn't the scoreboards not lit up. There aren't any results. You know, what's, what's your attitude like? What's your communication? What's your energy? What's your enthusiasm uh, like in those times? Um, you know, I think that's all those things are important. You know, can you lead a huddle? Can you also let somebody else lead a huddle? Um, you know, how are you when you, when you meet people, how are you, what does your face look like when things are tough? I mean, all those things, I think, uh, develop leaders. And I also think they create consistency, um, in your program and they, and they ultimately give you a chance to win championships. If we were to take that one step further, maybe to like, uh, like as the game is going on, what might be some of what might be some of those things that, that you look for, uh, in terms of actions and behaviors from your student athletes to identify this style of leadership or this form of leadership on the court, uh, let's say like as the game is going on, perhaps. Yeah, two things. I think one, we talk a lot about this is as a communicator, can you move somebody else in the mm -hmm. moment? You know, defensively, uh, do you communicate with force? Can you shock somebody else into an action, whether it's switching a ball screen uh, or hedging a ball screen, can you move your teammate in that moment? You know, can you com communicate with great urgency and purpose? And that takes time. I mean, uh, our point guard right now, Ty Rowell, uh, I would say in 17, 18, when he was a freshman for us, he was a non-communicator. He was a fighter. I mean, we called him Rocky Balboa. You wanted to compete with him. But he really could only take care of himself. He could help the team because he was going to fight so hard. But at that point in his career, he really couldn't move anyone else. Mm. You know, you, you just love, you love scrapping with him because you knew he was going to give you everything you had, that he had. And, and you were going to have to knock him out to beat him. But he wasn't ready at that point in time to move anyone else. Now, um, he's one of the very best communicators in our program. He can, you know, he carries himself incredibly well with the media. He owns the locker room. He can run our offense. He can command things defensively. He can get a huddle when things are tough. And he can also celebrate his teammates' success. I mean, he's a very, very dynamic and complete communicator. And the neat thing is he still has room to grow. So uh, number one would be that, you know, in terms of communicating with force and being able to, uh, to, to move – a teammate. And then, and then I think the other thing is uh, the second piece is in the moment, you know, next play mentality, you know, mm -hmm. can you, are you somebody that can not only get to the next play yourself, can you help somebody else get to that next play? And I think that's a, that's a signature um, that, that great leaders, you know, on the floor, on the field possess, you know, I think the great quarterbacks, I mean, if you look at, you know, we, we watch film on the Patriots. We just watched the, some amazing clips this week of Draymond Green, all on communication hmm. and his ability to do the first thing that I identified, which is moving your teammates with force and purpose in the moment. There may not be anyone better in the NBA than he is, um, you know, in that aspect of leadership. But that second piece, you know, can you help your team get to that next play? And then I think to take that a step further, ultimately, sometimes the next play is the next game, you know, and um, I heard this a few years ago that Tiger Woods, and obviously now we're talking about a, an, an individual sport, but uh, he asked the group, this, this guy speaking, asked the group, you know, he said Tiger Woods probably the most, at one point in time was the most dominant performer um, in, in sport in his respective sport. And he, he asked everyone in the room, you know, what was the, what was the one stat that Tiger Woods led the PGA in? And, you know, somebody said uh, driving distance or, you know, greens and regulation putting, no, no one could get it. And he said he, he, his greatest skill that he led the PGA in was birdies after bogeys. Mm. 
and that and then ultimately he was the best bounce back golfer in the world that nobody could turn the page mentally as well as tiger woods could when he was in his prime and you know so with that next play mentality is like you know now tyrell redshirt junior in our program can he help us, you know, after, after we trip or, or fall or stumble, you know, can he help our locker room have that bounce back approach that, you know, cause there's a lot of locker rooms that, you know, they can, they can handle one tough game, but, but what, if, what if it turns into two, you know, now can they bounce back from that? Sometimes, sometimes locker rooms can, sometimes they can't. And a lot of that comes down to, have those guys developing leaders as leaders and are those guys leading the way? Are they powerful and strong enough with enough self-esteem uh, to get your team to that next play? As you think about your, your own leadership and I've heard you, you talk about communication uh, so much here today, coach Croy listening, giving platforms to others uh, and you just highlighted now as well, the, the role of purpose and urgency uh, in, in communication as well. You spoke earlier about learning more about others, you know, during your time at Citrus College. Uh, I'm curious, what are the obstacles or, or challenges to uh, leading in this way for you? I think I think the first obstacle can be time, you know, because th these guys have extremely busy schedules. They got a lot going on, and then there's there's a lot of things that. Uh, a lot of things that need to be done well in order to put your team uh, in a position to, to win games and have great experiences from, um, you know, it starts in the classroom and then, you know, the weight room on the floor, um, all the, all the things required of these guys on a daily basis. So then, you know, wh where is the time to do all these things? You know, when do you, when do you get together? When do you, when do you put the time into leadership development? So, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you've got to prioritize it. It's, it's got to be a top priority. If you truly believe um, that it is the most important thing in each guy maxing out, I tell the guys that all the time. I mean, I think my, my goal, my number one goal as a coach is to help these guys have max out journeys, hmm. you know, that, that, that um, you know, if they, if they transferred here to our program, that, when they're done, you know, and it's, it's their last game, they're wishing, man, I, I wish I could have had, I wish I could have played my entire career at CBU. And if it's a guy came through our program, he, he jumped in when he was 18, he's finishing at 22 or 23. He feels like, man, I went by fast. I'd, I'd kill to do it one more year, you know, and I maxed out. I hadn't, I, I became the absolute best leader, best basketball player, uh, best team member, uh, best competitor that I could have possibly become. I maxed out those four or five years. And, you know, that's very rewarding uh, when guys talk like that uh, and when you see them moving forward in their lives. And obviously that's not going to happen with every guy. Not, not every guy that, that enters into your program is going to have a max out experience, but that's the goal. And, and to, to tenaciously pursue that, um, you have to prioritize your time with the guys and, and you have to, you're going to, you're, you're going to have to, uh, you know, take some time from some other areas if you truly believe in that. So we're constantly talking about that as a staff. And, you know, we start every, every staff meeting we have with where are guys at, you know, as people, where are they at? Where's, you know, is there anything touching them up? Is there anything getting to them? Is there any, you know, any guys homesick? Are there, are there any guys that are struggling with anything? Are there any guys that, uh, need help beyond uh, that, that which, which we can give them, you know, are there any guys that need more mentorship? Because, you know, as good a mentor as, as, as you try and develop into, you're, you're not the perfect mentor for everyone, but sometimes you can help connect them with somebody that can really build their career. Hmm. What are some of those internal challenges maybe that, that come up for you? I heard you highlight the external challenges of time. What are some of the internal challenges maybe that come up for you? Uh, with internally myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think probably, um, you know, your, your own fears. Um, 
you're, you know, you, you, maybe you have a guy that, you know, you have a vision for him. You, you know, that if you could, if you could bring them along exactly the way that you have shaped or designed in your mind and in your heart, you know, it would work. Uh, but for that, you're watching that student athlete go through, you know, kind of the trials and the tribulations of, of becoming what they want to be as a student athlete. Maybe their timeline's completely different hmm. and you can feel the anxiety growing either within them or, or maybe even within their family and they're starting to press and they've sent bench, they've set benchmarks of, you know, Hey, I'm, I wanted to be uh, all conference players, sophomore, I wanted to garner, you know, the falling level of attention. Um, and so sometimes, you know, when you're measuring those things, um, you know, there's a fear that grows within you, you know, are, are you getting it done for this guy? Can you, you know, are you the coach that can help max out this, th this player? And that can, that can cripple you or, you know, and, and sometimes it can, it can keep you uh, from just kind of unabashedly pouring into, into the relationship, the journey. Uh, it just, it can stymie you a little bit. So, you know, constantly working through those things with your staff and having those conversations with your guys, because that's one of the hardest things uh, I, I think for young people now is the social media has created um, the expectations of growing exponentially and, and everyone wants it to happen right away. And that's, that's not always a bad thing. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's bad to be tenaciously pursuing excellence. Um, it's just the, you know, the nuance of being able to talk more and more about like, Hey, you know, it, it takes time. We always say in our program, nothing drifts into greatness. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to have to be really, really intentional about what you're doing. And sometimes it's going to show up right away. And sometimes the work that you're putting in, isn't going to show up for two weeks, two months, sometimes two years. And so you try to, you try to show them, um, you know, the guys that have come through and have really demonstrated that tenacity, but they've also been able to blend that with the, with the right level of patience and maturity. So you try and reference that, but that doesn't, you know, reference points work differently for everybody. So, um, you know, I think working through those fears, you know, and sometimes that fear is coming from the student athlete, like, Hey, is this going to happen for me? And then sometimes it's coming from the coach, you know, he's, he's, he's feeling it himself and, and he's got to work through those things. So that's, that's something internally. And then, and then you're also, you're always balancing the individual journeys and the max out experiences with your team. You know, you, your team at this level has to be achieving a certain level of success. Um, and if not, uh, you're going to feel it. You know, you're going to feel it internally and you, you might feel it uh, uh, coming from external sources as well. So um, those pressures are very real and, and processing all of that, um, I think, requires great teamwork as a staff. Hmm. Yeah, I love it if you could go further on that last point, processing through those those pressures uh, as a staff, maybe first. Uh, how do those pressure how do those pressures show up for you what are the what does your leadership look like when you're feeling those pressures a bit more and then uh you know what, what might it look like for you to process those pressures uh, as a staff yeah uh, you know i think i think for myself um i i've gotten a lot i've tried to improve especially in the last few years um at you know just taking better care of myself during the season. And, mm. uh, for me, that's, that's sleep. That's working out. It's reading. Um, it's, it's time with my family. Um, but, and I, when I do those things and when I'm, when I'm consistent with those things, my, my leadership is better. It's, it's more measured. Um, I'm, I'm more, um, true to, the culture that we've tried to create, which is positive and demanding, you know, and, and, and that can be, that can be tough when stress is present. Um, I think typically when stress shows up, negativity shows up, mm. you know, and, 
Um, one of the things that, that we try and do um, as a program or as a staff, I should say, is there's a great line um, that I heard from a mentor of mine. It's just, don't, don't complain about your talent. And what that's speaking to is, I think, on a few levels. I think, one, when you're in a team sport, whether you're coaching or playing, um, you're going to go through stuff. You know, you're going to, you're going to take losses. There's going to be adversity and in a team sport, often we want to make sure it's not us. We're, We're not the reason that we're going through the adversity. And that, that holds true for, for players, for coaches, I think that's that's a very real thing. It's like, hey, I'm I'm working at this. I'm I'm doing my part. Maybe you know, what do we need to help somebody? You know, it's it's very rare that everyone in the organization demonstrates extreme ownership. And so, I think that's pressure, that's stress, that's anxiety showing up when you don't want it to stain you. Um, in an individual sport. Um, you know, it's, it's not diluted like that. It's, there is no, it is on you. And so I think if we want to be great competitors, we've got to we've kind of, kind of understand that that's natural. That's normal, uh, that you don't want it to be on you, but what you, that can't do is it, you can't let that, um, become poisonous to your program. And one of the ways it can become poisonous is, um, you can get in meetings and you're spending all your time talking about problems hmm. or you're complaining about, man, I wish, I wish we had a, a seven foot one guy that could, that could clean up a lot of those defensive mistakes and block shots. And so you end up, instead of trying to figure out how to max your guys out, you end up talking about problems, issues, and you end up complaining about your talent instead of improving your talents. And, I think that's sometimes the fatigue of the season. Uh, it can be staff fatigue. You've spent a lot of time around each other. It can be frustration. And then ultimately, um, it's stress. And so we just try and remind ourselves, like, and especially at this level, like, you shouldn't be complaining about your talent. You're responsible for the talent in your program. Hmm. We're, we're very, we're, you know, we're very fortunate. Um, like any other company uh we're responsible we run our human resources like Hmm. we're responsible for the guys that we have um and so last thing we should be doing is complaining about our talent we should be developing our talent but you know that's that's one of those things that i think you have to really work at that and and sometimes that's a grind it it sounds easy at at the beginning of the season to set out and say we're never doing that and then fatigue and stress show up and, and you can very much be in that place where, you know, you're, you're complaining, man, oh, man, we're tough defensively, but I wish we had a few guys that could make shots. Right. And it's easy to identify it when somebody else is doing it. Maybe you watch an opposing coaches press conference or uh, you're studying other coaches or whatever it may be. And when somebody else does, you go, oh, man, that doesn't sound great. Like he should be displaying more ownership, but when you're in it, you know, that's why everyone loves the, the man in the arena by, by Roosevelt is that, that thing's real. When you're in it, you find yourself in some tricky spots and some bad places and you got to keep trying to come back to your non-negotiables. And that's one of them for us. Awesome. Thank you so much, coach. Uh, as we move towards uh, wrapping up, perhaps I have a series of questions here um, for you as, as we begin to close. Uh, we, we've touched a little bit or you've touched a little bit uh, on, on love and your leadership. You highlighted it, uh, particularly present in the brotherhood at Citrus College. This is the love in basketball podcast with love uh, being uh, at the heart of servant leadership. So I'm curious in what ways does love manifest itself in your leadership, coach? You know, I think the the first thing, um, the way it manifests itself is that um, I, I want our guys, I, I want our guys to see, you know, me outside of just coaching them. I want them to see how much I love my family. Mm. Um, I want to, I want to, 
I want them to know that um, my family is very appreciative of them and that, you know, I, I grew up in a program uh, playing for Coach Alaco where, you know, he, he used to always say, and, and I, love, I tell our guys this all the time, and it's, it's appropriate that we're talking about this right now because we've got senior night coming on Friday, but mm. is that he used to always say, don't forget to say hello before it's time to say goodbye. And to me, that's, that's about love. It's if, if you love somebody and you appreciate them, you, you try to let them know that you try and tell them that before it's time uh, to part ways. And we try and do that with our seniors. Uh, we try and do that with all our guys. Um, and, you know, again, I'll come back to uh, the, the family aspect. Like I think our guys appreciate that I'm into other things other than just basketball. I think, I think they know that I'm incredibly passionate about CBU basketball and I, and I love to compete, but there are other things I love in life uh, more and that those things are extremely important to me because, you know, I, I want basketball to, I, I want them to love basketball. I, don't, I think it's hard at this level to really be great and to max out if you don't love it, you know, so I want them to love basketball, but, I also, I also want them to develop other passions and, and love in other areas. How might someone start their journey of becoming a, a servant leader? What might be one action step towards becoming a, a servant leader for you, Coach Croy, or that you might recommend? You know, I, I'm a big believer in seeking mentorship and, and, and learning from others. I, I think um, again, I think it's one of those things that maybe right now, uh, maybe at a deficit in, in our society. I think obviously I mentioned the other areas, um, that's, that seem to be, um, amplified or exemplified or it be, being done at a higher level. But I think spending time with people, hmm. um, you know, finding somebody that's maybe doing something that you'd like to do in the future. Um, and I think, you know, podcasts have been great there. You know, I, I think it's, it's amazing. I think probably half, half the guys on our team, uh, when we're on the road, there, there's a good number of our guys that listen to podcasts. And to me, that's an example of growing as a leader, um, versus, um, you know, just, just listening to music, but, um, so that's one way in which we have improved things, but I think the old school way uh, of spending time with people and, and really trying to learn from uh, their mistakes, their journeys, I think those things are critically important. Um, and, and I think guys need help doing that, finding the confidence, because you don't think that people want to give like that, but people do. Anyone that mm -hmm. I've ever asked, I, 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 I can't think of anyone that I've ever really asked for help that I've looked up to that that hasn't been willing to give of their time if they know that you're genuine about trying to grow as a leader. And as we close here, Coach Corey, if you had to use one word, one phrase to describe servant leadership, what what word or phrase might that be? Uh, you know, I think making someone else better. You know, making someone else better. Um, I think if that's if that's something that you learn to enjoy and, and you, and you, you gain, you gain true joy from that, whether it's, you know, helping connect somebody with somebody that could help them with a job or, you know, helping a player get better with a certain skill or helping a player talk about their fears um, just the notion of being able, just the simple thought of being able to make someone else better, teach them about, we had an assistant coach um, a couple months ago, kind of give a, you know, an, an hour and a half lecture on Bitcoin. And everyone felt like they got better that day. And I think the guy that improved the most was the guy that gave the lecture because he felt great about it. But I think if you, you know, if you can wake up each day and make that part of your day where you're, you're really putting some energy and some time into making somebody else better, 
with a thought, a prayer, a note, a phone call, a text, an email, whatever it may be, some kind of encouragement, um, you get better. You get better and, and you end up making others better. And to me, that's, it's, uh, it sounds simple, but that is, that is servant leadership. Putting energy and time into making someone else better. Coach Croy, thank you so much for putting your energy and your time into making all of us better here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Coach Croy highlighted his relationship with Frank Alaco Sr. several times in this episode. Coach Alaco was previously featured on the podcast in episode 10. I encourage you to revisit this conversation or listen for the first time. You'll find links to our conversation with Coach Alaco in the show notes. With the end of the college basketball season, the Love in Basketball podcast will also take a break for a few weeks. We'll use this time for restoration improving the podcast, and recording new conversations with guests. We won't be off for too long, so stay tuned. Maybe revisit conversations, listen to previous episodes you haven't yet listened to, or continue your learnings on servant leadership with resources provided through the show notes. And if you're interested in developing your own leadership, the leadership of your student-athletes, or the leadership of your program a bit further using evidence-based practices, please reach out to me about leadership coaching. Podcasts and books can be valuable for leader development, but just the academic exercise of listening or reading on its own is unlikely to cause substantial shifts in behavioral, cognitive, or emotional skills such that it improves your ability to lead. As Coach Croy highlighted, nothing drifts into greatness, but your leadership can be developed through awareness, reflection, and intentional practice through working with a leadership coach using evidence-based practices that are backed by measurable results and outcomes. You can reach out to me via email at adam at adamgcoaching.com. Subscribe now, share with others, and I'd love to hear from you. Rate and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or reach out with questions, reflections, and feedback via social media. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Gearlock or Instagram at adam.gearlock or email me at adam at adamgcoaching.com. Enjoy this time away from the podcast for a few weeks, and I'm so excited to continue to explore servant leadership and share love in basketball with you. Thank you.